The theme for the afternoon talk is Causes and Connections. So I put in the batteries which I'd forgotten and sometimes my darling daughter says to me, Dad, I can't believe you teach mindfulness. <laughs> Just fair enough comment. Um, sometimes with connections. It could be in a variety of circumstances and situations. And we're sitting, perhaps just in the meditation hall. Uh, we're, we're on one of your uh, lovely beaches. There's a quiet moment in the day at home. We wake up in the middle of the night. And in these uh, moments, there can be a genuine and authentic sense of connectedness. And that connectedness, it shows itself, it confirms itself, that in such precious and sweet moments, there is no wanting expectations or demand upon the world in any way. There is also, in these precious uh, moments of this uh, expanse of connectedness, there are no demands or expectations or wanting upon ourselves either. So, in the absence of such constructions in the internal uh, life, there is an expansiveness, a receptivity, and those uh, moments remind us of this rather divine connection and intimacy uh, which we have with life. They are rather uh, precious, they are important, and the regularity, that means daily, of such uh, ex experiences help to remind us significantly of our relationship to the constructions of heart and mind, of what we do, and also and equally have the capacity to return back to these silences, to these stillnesses, to a human being who is in a state of being undemanding upon oneself or, uh, or others. And this web, this web of uh, interconnectedness, uh, uh, also it uh, reminds us just how deeply and organically are we, we are related to everything. Our so-called self-existence, so-called, isn't really a self-existence since it's intimate and related to that which we see, hear, smell, taste and touch, and also what is happening with our inner life. And these are the six areas of working with. What touches us through our five sense doors and what touches us, so to speak, through our inner life. There is nothing more that a human being, a woman or man on the earth, ha has to work with. This is it. The dynamics eyes, ears, nose, tongue, touch, and the uh, inner world uh, itself. And as I mentioned, the resonance of uh, this uh, connectedness also will show, and it has to, those periods of time when we re feel quite disconnected. If in life you and I have a value in this case, uh, one of um, expansiveness, an awareness, a receptivity, a depth, uh, a connection with uh, life. There. The value of that and the experience of that will, and it must, point out that which is not that. If I give priority to one thing in life, that which is against that or some distance for, from it, will stand out. It has to. It has to. Yeah. And those experiences of we might call disconnection uh, there do regularly trouble us. We want to try to understand what is going on in those dynamics 
And it really is worthwhile being clear about ourselves and asking ourselves on this retreat and at other times, who or what am I disconnected from? And what is that gap? What is actually supporting and feeding into that gap? Is there some withdrawal that is taking place? Is there some uh, reaction uh, which is going on? And what can I, as a human being, do to help explore in such a way I, I experience empathy rather than negativity? I feel a sense of communality with her or him or that rather than closed off with set boundaries and walls and distance from. And it's an extremely challenging undertaking because memory will play an important part in the withdrawal. And the influence of the old upon the present is obviously significant and in that cutting off from the other, whoever she or he may be, there are certain circumstances where it's necessary, I'll touch upon in a moment or two, but there are certain situations where we have pulled back, pulled away from, got disconnected from and the, out, the outcome of that, not only is it from the outer, that man, that woman, that group, that uh, circumstance, but also, and we often don't realise, it's also somewhere a closing down inside. There is a consequence for this internally. When we cut off out, outwardly, we're also cutting off something uh, inside. And it isn't easy, as I mentioned, to bridge that gap. One of the, in the dynamics of the languages that are taking place uh, currently um, in these kind of uh, circles and rather similar ones, which I hear probably daily, on a daily basis, two words which are uh, regularly being used with greater frequency and with the validity to them and if I may offer a slight health warning. So the validity, the two words I have in mind is trauma, not dharma, trauma, and the other is wound. And I think in the last year or two, or re recent years, with every one-to-one -one and sometimes with the inquiries and, and correspondence, etc., these two words uh, appear. So I use that as an example. There may be a very painful fact of an event in the near or distant past which has had a strong impact upon us there. Sometimes it's a physical trauma, you know, uh, an accident or an illness or whatever. And sometimes, obviously, it's an emotional and mental trauma. And human being, we are extraordinarily sensitive creatures, far more so than we wish to acknowledge. And it can happen and does happen that there is a major impact or a series of them in the past and the re reverberations of that, the shadows, the influences of that are then landing in the present and affecting our way of looking at ourselves, at another or others. And of course, there is a whole network of people, and presumably I'm in this network, who recognize the impact of the old, and it's landing in the present and having some significant uh, uh, influence. Here's the health warning. It can be very, very easy to keep drawing the conclusion this experience which I had, not denying the validity of it, which took place whenever, or the series of them, sometimes there are a sequence of small traumas which are building up, and the vulnerability is 
to each state of mind that was one is experiencing in the present, it then is perceived and stated to be the cause of why I am like this. And therefore the view is looked at, this is the cause, and owing to that, I am like this. Maybe, maybe not. And the reason, maybe and maybe not, is that other people who have not had any, that they can recall, trauma in the past, whatever that may be uh, about, still can experience exactly the same state of mind and emotion. And what happens for a human being when she or he keeps perceiving the old as the cause for how I am now, the memory, whether conscious of it or not, or the feeling which arises, or emotion, or agitation which arises with it, if you keep doing it, and you believe it, and you identify with it, the identification with the feeling will make you a victim. That's the outcome. And the victim is then helpless. I am the victim of my history. I am the victim of my past. And that, the weight of that, the, the, the burden of that identity makes it extraordinarily difficult to deal with situations because one feels the past is much more important than the present. And that's the identity issue. I don't say it's easy to dissolve that or to transform that, but I do say, in my listening, with enough people internationally, it's, it kind of creeps in through the repetition. This causes me to be like this. And then it can get easily reinforced with the um, current, trying to be polite here, um, uh, interest, it's about as polite as I can get, with neuroscience. And how very, very easily and frequently now we are being slowly drip-fed, if I may say, there, the findings, I'm putting quote-unquote here, findings of neuroscience, which starts to give one the feeling the way that I am now is due to the neurological activity in my brain. And my brain has been affected and this is the outcome, and the pharmaceutical industry says, says to the public or to themselves, this is just what we want to hear. That's the danger. That's the shadow in the neuroscience world. It's giving more and more a sense of determinism of the past called the brain there upon the pre present and that's increasing the level of helplessness and where there is helplessness there will be more dependency and therefore more medication it's going to take quite some exploration to recognize and to explore and to find find out can we to collectively as human beings work with these traumatic situations very painful situations impacting on mind and body only use mindfully and carefully and respectfully for a short period of time the prescriptions which are given to us if really really necessary but before we go down that road let's ensure that all the resources that we have for a healthy emotionally happy and wholesome human being we have explored and if it really isn't working the ways that we have, then okay, we go down that, that road of temporary medication. We need a real re-evaluation, a reconnection with what it is to be human, and to really find out from each other what the resources are, and these are some of them here, and these are powerful resources in this hall which is taking place with these meditation processes, and to find that real dedication and commitment as one of many, many resources which transform people's lives. <clears throat>
in the field of um, uh, uh, connection, there, one of the most precious in relationship to the heart and its manifestation um, is love. In, love is so profoundly, deeply important for, hum, uh, for human beings. I can't imagine anything in the deep level uh, which is as important in terms of the heart as love, uh, love is. And because it's such a central expression of a healthy uh, human being, it means for us to really listen and find out from deep within the being and also with others the countless numbers of expressions of love. And if we really make love a central priority in the flow of the daily life and we stay as close to the expressions of love as possible and that is our major priority, we won't go far wrong. But we've neglected love. We've sacrificed it. We've substituted it for career. We've substituted it for money-making. We substituted it for personal success. We substituted to feed the ego and much, much more. And and then love starts to get neglected. And when love gets neglected, it leads to a certain alienation and detachment. We get cut off. That's what that's the consequence of love. I give you a, a good example. Um, it's. Um, some of you will know this from uh, now. A friend of mine, she, one uh, uh, friend, uh, she worked um, uh, in the some rather large international uh, uh, corporation, and her husband also uh, worked in it. So relatively, you know successful, quote-unquote. <clears throat> and, and then she explored, and as others here are doing, uh, and uh, elsewhere, that some voice inside, one of the precious, actually it's a liberating voice, it's a teaching of liberation, and a precious voice inside of her said, there has got to be more to life. Um, not quite what she said, but what I th- can say it. But got to be more than life having a so-called good job, big salary, husband, 2.2 children and 2.2 garages. You've got to be more to life than that. She didn't say that but it's, you get the feeling. And, and then she, in this case, started on retreats and many other forms and started to ha- have a sense that there is more to life than that. Her husband, fair enough, didn't have any particular interest in in this. And she, actually to her credit there, decided to give up this career. So the income went down very substantially. And over the period of time with these explorations, training in mindfulness, giving courses, working with prisoners, working with people with uh, serious uh, life-threatening illnesses, working with the refugees, offering mindfulness and meditation and practice, and really felt that her life had really turned around. She, she said she never felt so happy in her life. She was doing something really worthwhile there, and she really f- felt fulfilled. Her husband was not a happy bunny. He said, it's just a hobby. <laughs> and had no interest. The view. She was quite patient and patient, but then, slowly, regularly, came the kind of put-downs of what she was doing. And with that, the gap, began to grow. And uh, with that, over uh, the the period of time, she decided to leave. Uh, And though one should not obviously expect one's partner 
to um, follow the, the same way. But love, if it's love, it surely has to be supportive. It can't be blame, it can't be undermining or putting down, it surely has to, to be supportive. And because there was just no support and in fact resentment, and so easily with this, when she left, the view was from the husband, you broke up our marriage, it's your fault. And all the kind of consequences, money control and the, the, the other, it's your fault. You, 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 you're, you're the one to blame because you walked out on the family, you've walked out on me, you've walked out on our two, two children. And an inability to take, not all, but some responsibility for the love and, and for the absence of it. And when there is an absence of it, there's a loss of interest in the other. Oh, that's a sure sign. The self-interest takes primary and the interest of the love for the other her or his life and what one can do and contribute and support for the other gets less and less. And when the other says, thank you, goodbye, I'm out of here. The person still doesn't recognize that something here was not connecting, which is called love, with the other and one partner says enough. Love is really recognizing and watching for the signals which are going out, they're being spoken, or it's going unspoken, and we're not picking it up. We're not realizing that the gap between one and the other is getting bigger and bigger. I see you have on your train, when I was on the train from Brisbane to Rabina. It's the same mantra as the un London Underground. Mind the gap. <laughs> it's one of the most profound statements that transportation has ever made. <laughs> Mind the gap. And that recognizing, picking up the gap, so that the expressions of love like Rumi says, there are a hundred ways to kiss the earth. But Rumi, the, the poet, most of you would know. That the expressions of love come in a hundred different ways and it's up to us to be able to pick up not only the ways of the love for the other, but also the ways of love that the other may be offering, but we're not seeing it because we want it in some other way. hundred ways, hundred ways. There are moments here in the forest which are um, um, precious and uh, uh, important and sometimes with knowledge um, so, you know, these uh, sideways step for a moment here with the Buddha when he um, living this um, very nomadic life, including plenty of time in the forests and probably meditation halls, pretty well like that, this one uh, uh, here. He actually once said, the best gift of all, rather like, the best gift of all is the Dharma hall. Because people could do some good practice there. They said, the best of gifts is the Dharma hall. And you, people have established it here. And in his life of wandering around this nomadic uh, way, way of life and all the explorations that uh, went on with it, something in the, uh, in the flow of the teachings had two things working together. And those who love the teachings and the practices, they were called the Shravanas, the ones who listen. People say, ah, oh, they're students, they're practitioners of the Buddha, of the awakened one. They all said, oh, they're the Shravanas, the ones who love listening. And, and the silence, apart from being a very welcome break from the listening, the silence 
gave the opportunity for some reflection and some meditation and to see if what was spoken was of benefit. It wasn't a teaching of to believe. It wasn't a teaching to say, this is the truth, this is the absolute reality. You, these days you, or you have to buy it, which is, goes on in the spiritual world as we know. No, the teachings and the offerings there was, if there is something valid, worthwhile to remember, to reflect upon, go into the silence, see what works for you, what's supportive for you, <coughs> and if it's gone deep, apply it. And it was always listening, meditations, reflections, mindfulness, seeing what's important for you and your life and applying it. And that thread and principle was an unwavering thread. Very, I think, rather precious and a rather important teaching of, of, it, uh, of itself. And similarly, with knowledge, um, recently, well, a couple of years ago, if I may say, I read a book, some of you may know it, uh, The Secret Life of Trees, written by an Austrian who loves trees and wrote this precious book. And a few months uh, ago, I reread uh, the book and then with the, the blog, which I have uh, wrote uh, about it. And the transference, shall we say, or the transmission of the knowledge of the trees, well, I found for me that in the reading and feeling touched by this man's remarkable knowledge of trees, what it does, it triggered more empathy. That's what it is. It just brings more empathy. And authentic knowledge brings empathy. And empathy is brings connection, and connection is love. And some of the points that he mentioned, and some of you probably will know already, that as far as the tree is, it spreads out, under the earth it spreads out even further with its roots. And with the expansion of the roots, trees love to be and prefer to be in communion with each other, forests and woods, rather than isolation. And as the roots of the trees spread out, which the fungi in the uh, uh, roots spread out, and that allows the tree's roots to get closer to the roots of other trees, sometimes connected. And sometimes it happens when one tree is killed, trees nearby will also die. It's that kind of connectedness that the trees can have with each other. And when the water comes down in the base of the tree, this tremendous resource of energy, it, it comes off the tree, top of the trees, obviously, most of it, and it moves down through the tree. The tree stores this water, and then in the appropriate time, that means when it's thirsty, it moves the water right up through the tree. And it spreads, and the tree just expands and expands. And like human beings, we can look at each other there, and look at each other, we can have a rough idea of the age quite a lot by the skin. And it's rather similar with the bark of the tree, we can tell its age. You know, one of the Buddhist monks, who I hadn't seen for around 20, 10, 20 years or so, and we uh, were there at some meeting or other, and he turned to a friend of his and he said, God, I haven't seen Christopher for 10 or 20 years, he said. My God, he's the proof of the ageing process. So <laughs> <laughs> and that was, who am I to say, no, I mean, <laughs> come on, uh, etc. Or, my, or my, my last birthday, one of my... I call them friends. I, you know, I, um, he, he turned to a, a, a friend of mine as well. And he said, Christopher looks at least four weeks younger than his age. <laughs> Etc. So rather similarly, when we sometimes we, we look at trees, we, you know, 
and the baby trees they hang around mummy and daddy you know there and they and they grow and they like to have the shade from mummy and daddy they like the protection because if they don't then they're blown the seed is blown too far away there is too much sun mm. and when there is too much sun on the, the tree the tree will grow much more quickly but it will die much younger and as we know sometimes the beautiful beautiful tall plants of this earth they, they, they really live for live for centuries and the other phenomena there which I, I can relate to and a few of you who are in the grey white head club uh, there. as the tree gets older that amazing burst of hundreds of gallons of water which move through it to nourish it uh, uh, there and provide of course shade and food and homes for numerous creatures it can't reach the top and what happens when it can't reach the top the tree starts actually aging from the top that's the most visible <laughs> and for those of you still whose hair has not yet been bleached by the nature which we never asked for uh, 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 etc so the energy is coming through but it's not quite having that same momentum at the top of the head so hair falls out it gets gets thinner I was just in Melbourne and a friend said do you know how thin you are on top Christopher I said yes I have noticed <laughs> I mean come on we have a mirror whatever etc <laughs> so sometimes we have some knowledge we, we read about it. It touches us. It brings a certain empathy with the plant world in this case. We feel a closeness with the plant world. We feel a connection with the plant world. And sometimes from knowledge to the heart to the connection to the closeness. And what's the outcome of love? We wish to protect. What's the outcome of love? We wish to support. We wish to to nourish that's what love does and as Jen and I were in the car coming over and um, remembering the remarkable days at Terrania Creek there perhaps maybe one of the first maybe the first action uh, in the world to really protect rainforests uh, there and people didn't realise the profound significance significance of it here and elsewhere called it bastard scrub just the, the, how a name a label dumped on something reduces its beauty and its uh, significance and, and like the monks in uh, some of the monks in Thailand to protect the rainforests uh, uh, there that the first line of trees there they ordained them they made them monks. They, they put robes around and they chanted to the trees there. And then the, these guys with these huge swords, oh, whoa, 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 and stepped back because they didn't want to make bad karma. Brilliant idea of the monks. Yeah. So the creative initiative out of love, out of protection, out of support uh, there is called connection. My goodness me, we need to find these connections in creative and imaginative and uh, uh, loving ways. <clears throat> Sometimes in the in this w uh, world that we uh, live in, this there is a detachment that takes place, and the sometimes in this tradition the, you know, with its background with its uh, roots you might say in uh, the Buddha Dharma and with the tradition uh, it, it itself it's we hear quite uh, maybe quite a lot um, uh, Buddhist tradition Buddhist practices it's all about detachment it's a rather odd phenomena that the word was used by the translators, the English-German primarily uh, translators from the 19th uh, century, uh, century and he kind of got stuck, you know, sometimes a word gets, gets stuck 
And because there's no parallel word, but um, yeah, single word in the English, but the Pali uh, word is uh, this upadana. Um, it means the reaction and the inflaming, that's the actual word, inflaming of a situation. And sometimes in our detachment, which is a problem, it's not healthy, in our detachment we are vulnerable to our reactivity and we exaggerate something. And this exaggeration of something, in our detachment, we can't see clearly. Yeah. Greed is a plate coming from a detachment, a disconnect, and we've exaggerated the importance of something or someone to the degree that our happiness and our peace of mind is dependent on getting what I want. And we'll know the exaggeration, that means the inflammation of it, because the peace of mind is dependent on getting what I want. Then, then we've gone too far. And Dharma teachings are a shift from wanting, craving, being dependent upon, to a wish, as long as it's healthy, that this may happen with an understanding it may not that's the difference. Two different languages in the uh, tradition. So, when we are connected, we may wish to be in a relationship. We may wish to uh, have closeness and friendship with another. We may wish to earn some uh, uh, more money for the practical necessities of daily life. We may wish to go deeper in our meditations. Uh, may wish to explore a rich and fulfilled life. It's healthy, it's normal, it belongs to uh, human existence uh, there, but to know when the wish has got infected with too much I, me and my, and when it gets infected, how life easily gets pulled into it person had whatever a wish for a glass of red wine and ends up as an alcoholic a person has a, a, a wish to spend a dollar or two what do you call it the Melbourne Cup and then and ends up um, as a gambler uh, a person has a a, a, a wish for uh, marijuana um, and and it ends up with uh, severe drug problems or whatever it, it might be. Person has a wish to make more money, and the whole life is spent about around making more money, and everything else is second place. So the pleasant and the wish may be there. It's still to be connected, and what's more important than the connection with is the wisdom with the connection. Yeah. You and I, we have our wish to be connected with whoever, whatever it might be. But, and we want to look at what in life is worth connecting with and what is the wisdom which is needed to go with that. It's not just about connections, it's about the wisdom of what we connect with. Yeah. I sent um a, uh, um, I use um, social media. It's one of those. See its benefits, and I'm a fairly severe critic of it at the same time. Uh, there, my 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 grandson, who will be uh, uh, 18 um, in January. My my daughter's got uh, f uh, four kids, three to 18. Three different fathers. It's an adventurous life, and my uh, my grand this morning thing on Christmas Day. So on Christmas Day, I know, you know it's a little bit different the weather, 
here and there, here and uh, there. I can tell you, there's not many people on the beach on Christmas Day in Britain. I have to say. So we're at home, you know, sitting around, you know, the usual mince pies and glass of red, or whatever it uh, uh, might be, watching television. Not the Queen's speech, but anyway, whatever it might, whatever it might be. And my grandson pops his head. He's, this is last year, so he's sixteen then. Pops his head in the living room door as he does once a week. <laughs> And I said to him, Kai, do you want to come in and watch the box? <laughs> he said, only old people watch television. <laughs> and then the next, next day, I uh, was talking, and I said, oh, will I have a look at this on Facebook? He said, Grandad, Facebook's only for old people. <laughs> Mr. Zuckerberg, your days are numbered. I uh, uh, there. So, a friend who, a good, lovely uh, uh, friend, uh, woman friend, was <coughs> just actually sat in this uh, uh, hall uh, there, and she's a relationship couple of kids and quite regularly on the Facebook page she, she posts the happy family's picture at home smiling and laughing making a cake or out in the park <laughs> and you know all the other things that you, people put on their Facebook uh, 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 page <clears throat> and then so I dropped her an email I said oh and I know how important it was, you know, for her to have a relationship and be married and a couple of kids. Her own family life was difficult and the father was an alcoholic and da 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 da. I said, oh, so lovely. It really seemed to be flowing along well. And she emailed back and she said, the picture is not the reality. And the and she said, he says, within a month, this is a couple of months ago, um, he's really thinking about walking out, he's thinking about uh, leaving, and then a couple of months went by, into October, and he's gone. And it's, I mean, of course, it's a common enough story, but the point point is here, we can look at something in life, we can get an appearance, an impression of who we meet, of the situation. But we may not know, humanly enough, but we may not know that that impression may be accurate, but it may not be sustainable. And, we, and it's a way in life, not, not easy, of staying kind of quietly connected with ourselves, but also, equally, quietly connected with the other. Really, really connected with, with the other. And the reason for the importance of recognizing and knowing uh, each other, because we cannot take anybody for granted. The disconnect can be the, the connect can be the disconnect. And it is happening there quite often, not because there's abuse in the relationship, nor even sometimes there is even ne any neglect. It's not that there's any problem between the two uh, people. Sometimes for one or other or both, sometimes there's a deep wish for a change. That's all. Nothing bad, nothing good, no blame. But sometimes some people just... Something else in their development, in the evolution of their uh, being, is triggered, and the outcome of that, she or he steps out of the situation, and there's a feeling there is another kind of connection which is needed, and the person moves on. And we, and that could be our children, we might wish our children, if you have kids, to live in the same area. Um, but they don't, they go. I left England in 1977, and 19, no, 1967, 
10 years and 10 days later, I knock on the front door, because I hadn't kept the key that long, and, <laughs> and was back in, back in the house. My parents had no anticipation that I was going to go and go and not, and not return. And then my sister, she married a guy from Qantas. A few weeks after she got married, they're in Bahrain. And then they're in Singapore and Papua New Guinea and Melbourne, uh, etc. So the two kids left the nest. And there's one good Jungian analyst said to me, Christopher, when you went traveling to the east, are you sure you weren't really just running away from your parents? And thought of it. Who knows? <laughs> so sometimes we can't hold on to the one we love. We can't. It doesn't work like that. And therefore, in connection, to, to repeat the point a little bit with you, the love matters. But the love which matters is the expressions of the love in life in which the intentionality is to offer love. It's not the intentionality to keep. It's not the intentionality so that I feel good about myself. The Buddha went into this extraordinary world with, with actions in life. He said there are four kinds of actions. I'm speaking about love as one of them now. Sometimes we do things we love because it makes us feel really good. Why not? We do things out of love because it helps another to feel good or better. Why not? Sometimes we do things which contribute to both. Yeah. But there is a dependency. The dependency that we approve of what we do for ourselves and there is a dependency of what we do for the other that she or he or they also approve. But love which is liberated is liberated from self-approval and other approval. And this love we're deeply interested in. It's the authenticity of the love. And it's quite something that we lower the temperature, shall we call it, of self and other. And that brings the connection deep and the connection which is deep gives the other the freedom in, that, in this case the freedom to stay or the freedom to go because it's the love which, which, which matters it, let me finish <laughs> in the situation of being here there, it might be that in your meditations a story arises for you. Most of the stories, not all of them, do include the other. And the self arises, oh, what I might say to her or him, or what, uh, what I might do. And then sometimes we think we are prophets, and we can know what the other will say or respond in return. We are not prophets, we're just human beings, you know, having a fantasy. And we've got the idea and we're interpreting what the other may say. We can be so involved in the self-other and the story that goes with it, we forget the feeling underneath it. What is the feeling that is entering into the story? And to look and get beneath, so to speak, the feeling to the feeling as what is being felt here. And the feeling is more important than the imagination and the story. What we feel. And sometimes we connect with that feeling and we try to stay qu quietly steady with that feeling, it may change the whole view of the story. The identification with the story 
fixes ourselves as being one identity, fixes the other as having another identity. We believe so strongly in it. It's it's a soap opera. It's a Shakespearean drama we're creating. What hope have we got to see clearly uh, with that? And as Shakespeare said in his most famous one line, which most people know, to be or not to be, that is the question. So, when you're in the middle of a story, whether it's the greatest fantasy about saving the earth or the greatest drama of, of one's life, just remember Shakespeare the Buddha. To be or not to be, that is the question. Is this story going to be and be perpetuated and be lost in? That is the question. And sometimes, as I mentioned, just if we can, just quietly now walking and sitting, just look underneath the story. What's the feeling that's going on? Connection again. Connect with the feeling. And to see, but quietly with it, without pressure, without demand, whether the whole view starts to change because we're deep with the feeling. So, just in uh, summary uh, here uh, with you, detachment is being cut off from. The inflammation of a situation uh, there is to really see and know times when we are inflaming a situation which pre 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 prevents us from seeing well and clearly. When we are inflaming, we can't see clearly. There. What areas of our life are important for us? Are there any areas of our life which we need to connect in with more deeply? It could be the art and creativity and spirituality with uh, an important person or persons in our life to really recognize those areas. Is there any kind of gap in our life? Could we have a look at that gap while we're here? Is there any way that we can find a ways to bridge the gap, mind the gap? And if we quietly include that, it will ha happen quite naturally. We kind of get on with our meditations. We're not looking in any way, we're just getting on with our meditations, but we recognize there will be times when the story comes, can I connect with the feeling? When love comes, can I stay quietly connected with the love? When there is a gap in my life, can I reflect a little bit? What would help to bridge the gap? Then we, the days of our retreat will be authentic and beneficial and uh, insightful for us and for others, and also for the trees.